0: ESPN, ESPN Radio. It is ESPN Radio. Peter Burns, Katie George, rolling with you today at Peter Burns ESPN on Twitter at Katie underscore George 05. Where so far in the first two hours, Katie, I've introduced you to, we don't talk about Bruno, so mm-hmm. that's good. Enlightened, um, to say the least. Also, you also know, barely got your wordle in today, so that was good. It's not
1: true. I was um, very good today. Stop telling lies.
0: You also misspoke when you said that I was rooting against Mina Kimes today. I was not. Mina Kimes that... going to be on Jeopardy? Oh gosh, I'm so I'm so damn jealous of this. Why is she so? I, I hope she fails miserably on this because that'd be like the she first won't. thing that Mina has ever done that she's not really good at. Like I'm hoping that she's like I look up and it's like minus thirty two hundred dollars. So update on that, Katie George. Mm-hmm. She is not a contestant tonight on Jeopardy. She is reading clues on Jeopardy. So I'm back to pulling for Mina. I'm back to pulling for Mina, just so you know.
1: I know, but I just don't think we should let you off the hook like that because you weren't pulling for her had she actually been a contestant. Which yeah, I think but says it was because I'm you. just
0: sick and tired of her being right all the time. That's basically it. Every it's time I look up, minutes. there's Mina Kimes saying something smart. There's Mina Kimes being right again about a football player. Like Again, I'm just, just a little over it. Just a little over that she's always all prepared and all great all the time. Peter Burns, Katie George here, (laughs) ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance with insurance for cars, homes, boats, motorcycles, RVs, and commercial vehicles at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and Progressive.com. All right, uh, progressively speaking, we had some great talks about college football playoff squashed, Katie George, as we saw it today. They came out and said, ding dong, it's dead. It's completely dead. Everybody go home. Nothing more to see here. You cannot get your free Marriott points or whatever traveling this circus around about college football playoff expansion. And ultimately, it dies out, right? Now they're saying they're going to play out the entire 12-year contract. There will not be any more talks about it for a while, although they only have to table it for a year before they start getting going. But there's a lot of disappointment, Katie. I saw that flood my timeline today from college football fans. I'd imagine it's players. I imagine it's coaches. I imagine it's probably eight of the 11 conferences as well, too, that thought, hey, you know what? There's a chance for this sport to expand who gets included in the college football playoff. Yet some people decided today, nope, still going to drag our our heels.
1: There was disappointment, surely. But there was also frustration. Don't you feel like the last six months were – a waste of time. I mean, we talked about this at nauseum and that this was going to pass and there was so much support. I mean, when it was first released that the five members had come up with this proposal because they had been instructed to, hey, you guys go outside the room to an auxiliary classroom, sit, meet, come up with the best idea, the best proposal for a 12 team expanded playoff. Greg Sankey, Bowlesby, Jack Swarbrick, others, they go, they do that, they, they get the assignment done, they come back, they present it, here are the stipulations, here's what we're proposing. When it's initially released, we're all very excited about it as college football media members who cover the game, as college football fans. Oh, you are we're going to get more college football? Sign me up. Right. And there was all of this push for it. Well, when can we get it? When can we sign off on it? How soon can we have an expanded fo- football playoff? Are, are we going to see this in 2023? And then slowly but surely, more people got involved, being the 10 commissioners of FBS conferences, as well as Jack Swarbrick, who was a part of the proposal from the get go. And you started seeing hedging and backpedaling, and whoa, well, let's pump the brakes a little bit. I mean, NIL is a big deal. Oh, and the transfer portals causing a lot of coaches, a lot of headaches. We don't Excuses, have guidelines right? here. Yeah. What about the NCAA? They're kind of, you know, struggling. We don't know what they're going to be. Are they even going to be a governing body moving forward? And so you saw this backpedaling, and I just feel like, gosh, what a waste of time! I thought this was a done deal, and clearly it wasn't. When more cooks got in the kitchen. Clearly. And this had to be a unanimous decision. And that, I think, is the sticking point for this. Why it needed to be a unanimous decision when they wrote up the contract, I don't know. Had it been a majority, I think this thing passes, and we're seeing 12 teams in the future.
0: Well, in Katie George, Peter Burns here on ESPN Radio, the reason why, of course, you you said it, is because it's unanimous. Every single one of these 11 decision makers had to come to the table and said, all right, we all agree on that, okay? The stipulations are this, right? The Big Ten, they want automatic qualifiers. They're fine with 12 teams. They just want to say, listen, if you win the Big Ten, that's a big deal. You should deserve to qualify automatically, okay? The ACC has basically said the same thing. Like, hey, we want an automatic qualifier as well, and we, we probably prefer eight teams, but we understand it's probably going to go to 12. The Pac-12 basically has come out and said, listen, hey, man, we never get invited to the party. Like, just invite us. We'll play in any format. But the caveat is what it's kind of underneath the, the, the devil is in the details. The Pac-12 says, hey, man, I'm willing to do any play, playoff format as long as we take care of the Rose Bowl, as long as the Rose Bowl in Pasadena is a part of it, man, knock yourself out. We just want to be involved, okay? Which
1: is a point of contention for a lot of people and media rights holders because the Rose Bowl is always played on New Year's Day in a prime time slot, whereas we see the CFP semifinals played on New Year's Eve, right? Mm -hmm. Both semifinals back-to-back, and they lose traction because... Obviously, people have things to do on New Year's Eve night. I mean, your wife made you dinner reservations the night of New Year's Eve, not realizing that the CFP semifinals were going to be played that day. We would like for the CFP semifinals to be on New Year's Day where people are at home, they're recovering.
0: Sometimes it is, right? Depending on on, how it comes down. But but
1: the the Pac 12 will not relinquish its holding on that traditional day and time with the media rights for the Rose Bowl. And so that's one sticking point for the Pac-12.
0: Ultimately, when it comes down to, and people wanted to go, well, wait a minute, if this went to a vote right now, had the contract not said unanimous and it said majority is going to rule, we would have a college football playoff expansion and we wouldn't have to wait until 2024 or 2025. We'd likely to have seen an expanded college football playoff this year. Think about that, right? Think about in this world of transfer portal where you see guys flipping inside their own conference and starting the next day, right? Remember, Caleb Williams decided, hey, listen, I'm going to go from Oklahoma. I'm going to go file, you know, follow Lincoln Riley at the, at the Pac-12 world over at USC. We see just a ton of different transfers happening. How much of that transfer portal is still in place if all of a sudden you felt like, hey, there are 40 teams involved in college football playoff. I think a lot, right? The Pac-12, the Big Ten, the ACC, this so-called alliance have aligned themselves together. And by the way, those are the three votes, I believe, that would have, that have said, all right, we're, we're, we're not doing this. They're the ones dragging their heels. The problem is, is that by having a couple more years that's more opportunities that the Pac-12 won't be involved. That's another opportunity like the Big Ten and had years before where they weren't involved. Okay, Or like last year where the ACC was not involved. So they're cutting off their nose despite their face because they want something that says an automatic qualifier or the Rose Bowl. Not what's good for the sport. Not what's good for the fans. This is what they're doing right now.
1: Well, it, it's interesting because any commissioner that you hear from, and they all have you know different stances on different obstacles and, and topics that you and I just kind of laid out, but they all agree on one thing being, it'll expand eventually. And Greg Sankey said, you know, it's just unfortunate that we couldn't get there in time before our deadline. There were still some sticking points that people just couldn't agree on unanimously to move forward. Well, if all of the commissioners can agree that it's inevitable that expansion will eventually come. But right now they should be putting their focus on NIL and the transfer portal and the NCAA current structure. Isn't that a detriment of the student athletes right now? If it's inevitable, just do it already. Just agree, get there in terms of your agreement of what the stipulations are going to be. What are going to be the guiding principles moving forward? Because it's going to happen. You can navigate all of the different issues that were dumped on college football and college athletics this past year as you expand. But I just think pushing it off is at the detriment of the student-athletes right now.
0: The reason why they're doing that as well, too, and here's, here's what I'm thinking, is that if you look at the ACC, the Pac-12, the Big Ten, this alliance, this little three-group you know, group, you know, triumvirate, right? that's trying to drag their heels and basically it's it's worked right it succeeded we're not getting a college football playoff expansion one of the reasons why is cuz they want automatic qualifiers they are worried that a group of five team would slide above them. In fact, not one, but two group of five teams, right? So they want to legislate themselves being in the college football playoff. Rather than deserving it, they want to say, well, we're one of the big boys. We deserve a spot no matter what. Not their play on the field. Not how good their teams are. They are saying, we deserve an automatic spot. That's what we need. And And that's what they're trying to do.
1: Speaking of group of five representation, you know, Mike Oresco, the commissioner of the American Athletic Conference, he said, look, who's in favor of expanding, right? Because he wants to continue to see teams from his conference like Cincinnati continue to make it to the college football playoff. He said, look, an expanded playoff is about enhancing the opportunity regardless of what the future college sports landscape will look like. He also said these overarching issues will likely be debated long into the future and are unlikely to be settled in any meaningful way in the next 15 months or so when the CFP decision makers will have to reconvene to develop a new plan. So they're still going to be dealing with NIL. They're still going to be dealing with the transfer portal and the NCAA governing structure. So his point is, if we can't come to solutions for those items, why are we going to stall the CFP expansion?
0: And you know why? They want to do it now because they are deathly afraid that if this comes out down the road and all of a sudden these teams, you know, these smaller teams like Cincinnati, that they join a power five conference, all of a sudden the group of five will be left out. I don't put it past some of these conference commissioners going, well, you know, I don't want to give my money up of a college football playoff. We're, we're bringing all the star power. It sounds a lot of what's happening with the PGA tour in the Saudi golf league. And we'll discuss that coming up a little bit later as well, too. Peter Burns, Katie George. All right. I've got good news for your Milwaukee Bucks, Katie. No one's paying attention. I'll explain why next here on ESPN Radio. ESPN ESPN Radio. Radio. Peter Burns, Katie George. ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. You can join us, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Remember, college basketball season heating up. That means the Wendy's wooden watch has begun Go to ESPN.com, search Wooden Watch for the list of Wooden Award nominees. The watch as the season rolls on. The Wooden Watch brought to you by Wendy's Breakfast, now with a free drink for any breakfast sandwich uh, purchase right now. Make sure you check that out, Wendy's Wooden Watch, over on ESPN.com. All right, a team that you should be watching. You're going to be happy about this, Katie. While everybody's talking about AD being out for a couple of weeks and what the Lakers are doing and what's going on with Kyrie and Adam Silver deciding to come in and talk about it, It's your favorite team, the Milwaukee Bucks. And you're trying to convince me that this was somehow a good thing. I I, I don't know if I'm on board with this yet. So, walk me through how this is a good thing that everybody cares about the Nets and the Lakers right now?
1: Well, it's exactly what happened last season. Everybody was talking about the 76ers. They were talking about Uh. the Brooklyn Nets. And Milwaukee just continues to go about its business, keeps its head down. Just like its star player, who is not all into the hoopla being Giannis and they keep their head down, flying under the radar, and they go and they win an NBA title. I remember actually having conversations with people on the coaching staff last year when they were about to make that run. It was right after the All-Star break, and they felt good about their chances, and they said, you know, it's better. We, we appreciate the more people talk about the Brooklyn Nets and their big three, the more people talk about the 76ers – the more people talk about the Boston Celtics kind of coming up and being a contender or a dark house in the East it is better for us. And, And they like playing that kind of even keeled under the radar underdog. It worked for them a season ago and hopefully, you know, it'll work for them again as they get closer to closing out the regular season and then putting themselves in position for the playoffs. But you know, Decent record right now. They're currently fifth in the East, not not territory they've been in in quite some time. They're usually more at the top echelon, one of the top seeds, if not the top seed in the East. Uh, but they just made a trade for Serge Ibaka, who they feel like can help and stretch. And then obviously, you know, Giannis. I mean, like, Giannis scored 50 the other night, and, mm-hmm. and, and we're not talking about it. We're talking about Ben Simmons going to the Brooklyn Nets. And James Harden going to the 76ers and that saga. We're talking about, you know, how much more time does LeBron have in L.A. Now right. that AD's hurt, what he, are their g- chances? going too they much gonna,
0: weight. And, are they right. even
1: going to be in the play-in situation? I mean, yeah. those are the storylines that everybody's keying in on, and rightfully so. you got All-Star weekend coming up. But I, I think the Bucks, you know, like their chances moving forward. And when you look at, you know, the teams favored to win the NBA championship this season entering the All-Star break this weekend – According to Caesars Sportsbook, you've got the Phoenix Suns with the best odds followed closely behind Golden State. You have the Brooklyn Nets plus 550, and then the Milwaukee Bucks right behind them plus 600. And I'll be curious to see if the Brooklyn Nets odds change once we get back to regular season play because you know, KD's not back. They haven't yet reevaluated that MCL Kyrie can't play at home. And, and Shannon, what were you reading in the break? Can you can you rattle through there, the, the next is ten their games? Their schedule,
0: their schedule kind of a uh, uh, mess. It's is tough. That, yeah. So looking looking at their schedule of the next couple games here post All Star break, they play at home against Boston, so that's no Kyrie. At Milwaukee, at home against Toronto, so no Kyrie. Then they, then they're at Toronto, home against Miami, no Kyrie. At Boston, at Charlotte, at Philly. So. So that's a tough to,
1: road ahead and you might not have KD back for some of those, if right. it, if any.
0: Now the question is, will you get Kyrie back at home, right? I mean, the fact that Adam Silver comes out and, and says it, right? I know when it's a firestorm deal and and it was surprised too. And, and Shannon, you guys were talking about a little bit earlier about why this was brought up earlier, right? Like if you are a visiting player, and you were not vaccinated, you could play, right? You can still there. play, yeah. You can still you play, could play in play. New York, right? But Kyrie uh, could not. He he could not play in the game because of the way those laws work. And Adam Silver has even come out and just go, listen, like the New York City COVID nineteen vaccination rule is keeping Kyrie Irving. He said, like, quote, doesn't make a whole lot of sense, right? I mean, he, he's talking about this, going at the, it's a quote, this law in New York, the oddity to me is that it only applies to home players. I think ultimately that rule is about protecting people who are in the arena. It just doesn't make quite sense to me that an away player who is unvaccinated can play in Barclays, but a home player can't. To me, that's the reason why they need to take a look at this ordinance. Now, I'm not quite sure you would imagine if someone is able to kind of move in, in the needle just a little bit, you would be Adam Silver. I can't imagine New York City would be like, all right, well, we're just going to go down this route just because to go down this route and prove a point, you would think there's a lot more flexibility with the way things have changed and evolved over the last, what, probably at least the last six to eight weeks or so.
1: Without a doubt. But regardless of vaccine status and if Kyrie's ever able to play within this season at home games, I mean, the Brooklyn Nets are sitting at eighth in the East right now. And so that's one of the, what, biggest franchises in the NBA, right along with the... Lakers, who also are in a similar situation over in the Western Conference, I believe they're sitting at ninth. So you've got two teams that are the biggest franchises in play-in situations right now, which, you know what, is a great thing if you're the NBA.
0: Oh, the NBA loves it. Because guess what? We're talking about that right now, not talking about what the Heat are doing, right, or not what uh, Booker and the Suns are doing right now. It's because we want the greatest of greats when they're great teams to talk about how good they are or, hey, listen, how these power teams have fallen. And again, I think that's what you're going to see. When there's nothing new out of what the Lakers are or what the, the Nets are as far as the newness to them. It's a matter of when do we really need to turn it on? Combine that with some unfortunate injuries and other situations. That's why those teams are sitting there at eight, nine, 10 in the NBA standings. All right. We got a lot more coming up, including Phil Mickelson, crazy chaos. Um, that's uh, involved with him in the PGA tour. ESPN radio. Peter Birds, Kenny George. Is this is a little Aaliyah. Impressive, uh, to say the least. Here on ESPN Radio this Friday, presented by Progressive Insurance. Hit us up on Twitter at Peter Burns ESPN. You can tweet her at Katie underscore George 05 news coming today. College football playoff uh, expansion is officially dead for now, saying they're going to do all 12 years of that contract. They'll revisit it here in a couple more years or so when they will expand it or what that might look like, but it is going to be status quo until 2026. Also news coming out, Major League Baseball putting out an announcement today that said spring training games are postponed at least until March the 5th. Does not look like uh, they're having a whole bunch of movement on that front. Talk about it. Major League Baseball's lockout ends. All right. So, other than that, everything is fine, right? At least we got the PGA Tour, which seems normal. Oh, no. Phil Mickelson, um, it came out this week. Absolutely explosive quotes. And the man who uh, he talked to, Alan Shipnuck, is uh, joining us right now here on ESPN Radio. Does a great job. If you're a golf fan, the Fire Pit Collective, him, Matt Jadella, I'm huge fans of these guys. They do a great job. And and Alan, let's start with this. The quote that was heard all around the golf world, really sports world, was Phil Mickelson saying, Blank, they're scary you-know-whats to get involved with. Right, talking about the Saudis, saying, listen, we know they've killed journalists, we know their record on human rights, but why would I even go down this road is because it's a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to reshape how the PGA Tour operates. Quote, that came out, you're writing a book about Phil Mickelson. Has Phil texted you and be like, bro, 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 I thought we were just talking off the record here. What's that like?
2: Yeah, yes. I, I got a text from Phil. He was mildly displeased, but um, I mean, the interview was on the record. It was always for the book. I think he underestimated the emotions surrounding this issue. You know, for Phil, he's just working both sides of the street. He just sees himself as a cagey businessman who has two competitors for his services, and he's trying to get the best deal, which people do in all walks of life. But he didn't quite understand that Saudi Arabia is a, a different deal. I mean, they supplied 15 of the 19 hijackers, you know uh, Jamal Khashoggi was a Washington Post reporter who lived in the U.S. and we you know what happened to him. Like they're they're just bad actors, and they give people a very uncomfortable feeling. And so when you're threatening to to reorder an entire sport for your own selfish reasons, and you're using the Saudis uh, as as your negotiators, it's 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 a little disquieting for a lot of people. And I don't think Phil quite realized that. Uh, he certainly does now. But um, on the other hand, we always say we want athletes to speak their mind and not to sugarcoat things. And a lot of the other golfers who are are being seduced by the Saudis and and, and all their money, they're talking about they want to go over there and grow the game, right, right in the middle of the desert where nobody plays golf, like give me a break. Um, you know, Phil, at least with me, it was transparent. But, you know, he said the quiet parts out loud, and that's what got a lot of attention.
1: there's no doubt, we can't deny that Phil Mickelson is anything but outspoken, Alan. So I'm curious, when you're sitting down and having this conversation, this very candid conversation, did you get a sense that it's it's a viable, realistic option for him, that he'll break away from the PGA Tour and join the SGL? Or, Or do you feel like he's just trying to use this as leverage to get the PGA Tour to operate differently moving forward?
2: It's both. I mean, I think that he started down this road hoping to get concessions from the tour, but he already has gotten a lot of concessions. I mean, thanks to Phil, $100 million is going to the players this year that they didn't have last year. You know, as he's been out front and to try and sort of blunt this incursion by the Saudis, the tour... Is pumping more money back into the players, and so they're all going to benefit, not just Phil. And they created an NFT platform to enrich the players. That's largely because of Phil. Um, now he's thinking about himself, but everybody else in the game will benefit who plays on the PGA tour. So, uh, but the money's gotten so cartoonish, and he's been frustrated by the tour. And um, there's a sense of agreement that you know, more than anything, Phil wants to be the smartest guy in the room. And I think he likes the idea of, of being this agent of change who completely Mm -hmm. upended an entire sport and that appeals to his ego. And so I think, I think Saudi, the the Saudi Arabian uh, seduction is very real. And, uh, you know, I don't know if his backlash changes anything or not for him, but uh, he's definitely, he's definitely considering it. He's, he's, you know it's in my in in my story on com. you know he helped pay for the entire operating agreement to be written by law, you know lawyers of phil choosing to uh, codify that the player would have control and the things like the their media rights and the nft rights would, would be controlled by the players in a very beneficial way so uh, he, he's kind of getting what he wants, which is money, adulation, and, and control. But, again, I, I don't think he quite understood what the backlash would be like, and he's getting more of a taste of it now.
0: Alan Shibnuck, uh from the author uh, writer of the Fire Pit Collective, of course, is in uh, the explosive new book. It's out with Phil Mickelson and talking about his quotes about the Saudi Golf League. How many guys do you think that – are, are realistically looking at this, right? I've seen that Justin Thomas has said, no, I'm not interested. Colin Morikawa has basically said, no, this is not for me He's as not. well. I mean, is there a number they're trying to get to before they announce something like this? Or is this all in theory, hoping everybody jumps ship? And Mickelson's not even sure if he'll jump a ship.
2: Right. So the the plan is all along. They, the Saudis wanted to sign 20 players, and then and they were going to announce it because their goal is to have tournaments with a field of 40. So they feel like once they get... They get 20 players in place. Uh, it'll be easier to get the final pieces. And um, the core an extremely well-connected agent, uh, he told me they just signed their 20th player and that an announcement is now going to happen the week of the Players' Championship next month. Of course, that's a PJ Tour's flagship event. Uh, I love the bitchiness. If they do, in fact, announce that week, it's quite delicious. <laughs> but um, so... Yeah, it's, the the wheels are turning but at the same time everybody is 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 waiting to see what the big stars are going to do because it won't succeed without, you know, Phil, Dustin Johnson, Bryson DeChambeau, Adam Scott I and mean, those are the big names who are attached to the, the the Saudi Golf League right now and if if they start to get cold feet, it could still fall apart but um you know, you mentioned Colin Markow and Justin Thomas. I mean, there's a, quite a generational divide because those guys are in their 20s, and they know that if they play well, they can make 15 to $25 million a year on the PGA Tour, and they can have total control of their schedule, and they can play the great Citadels like Pebble Beach and Riviera and all their other favorite courses. Um, and if you go to the Saudi Golf League, you're not going to be playing those courses. Who knows what kind of TV and fan interest is really going to be. And when you sign up, you have to play every all 14 events. There's no discretion. So if that falls on your kid's birthday or your daughter's graduating from high school, tough luck. you gotta, you got to show up. Whereas on the tour, they have total control of their schedule. So I think these young guys look around and say, I'm already making an obscene amount of money. I have a great life. I don't have to fly over to the Middle East at least four times a year. Um, why do I want to rock the boat? But, you know, Phil and Lee Westwood, Ian Poulter, other guys who are attached, you know, they're, they're on the back nine of their career, if not the final few holes. And so if they can get some incredible bonanza from the Saudis, they're, they're more inclined to take it because this is their last chance to cash in. So um, the younger stars on the PJ tour have kind of closed ranks and, and, you know, Rory McElroy is kind of in the middle, but he's a guy who has a quite a well developed social consciousness. And I think that, um, I, I think that that divide will play out if the Saudis announce it's going to be a lot of established players who haven't done much in a while. Of course, Phil is the reigning champion of the, of the, the PGA championship. Sure. He's only top 10 of the season. I mean, he's such an outlier, um, at 51 to, to win that. But, in general, I think we can all agree that that uh, Phil's not going to play at that level forever. So, it's 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 interesting part of this. But I, to your question, we don't know how this is going to play out, and there's still feverish conversations going on on all sides. And there's there's still a possibility that the PGA Tour they could absorb the Saudi Golf League because the, you know it's being it's flying under the flag of the Asian Tour, so they can get world. Ranking point. So The PGA Tour could come to some sort of strategic alliance, absorb the Asian Tour, take these new tournaments, play them in the fall when there's not much real solid golf on, that they offer, and that would be a middle ground where guys like Bill could still get paid, but they would remain members of the PGA Tour. So there, there, all the power brokers are, are still invested, in, and there's you know the lawyers are racking up many billable hours right now. So nobody knows how it's going to play out, and that's why it's so fascinating.
0: Between Major League Baseball, lockout, college football playoff expansion, PGA Tour, Saudi Golf League, that is the very true statement, that billable hours are indeed the only undefeated thing when it comes to all the sports. Uh, Alan, also uh, great stuff, man. And, and tell us real quick about the book. Uh, where can people get it and uh, more details real quick?
2: Yeah, you can pre-order on Amazon. It, it actually doesn't drop until May, the week of the PGA Championship, but I felt like things were happening so fast with Saudi Golf League that all these comments that Phil gave to me that were in the book. Or perishable because if if he announces one way or the other, it kind of loses some of its if, if it's intrigue. So we ran this excerpt earlier than we would have on on com, but um, it just seemed like the right moment when everyone was talking about Saudi Arabia. But there's still a sort of steady drumbeat towards the book. But I think I think golf fans and sports fans in general will, will love it because there's never been a book about Mickelson. He's lived this big controversial life. Yeah. and it's written with a certain amount of affection. I mean, Phil's a fun character, and there's a lot of great tales and a lot of outrageous stuff that happens, and it's all in there. His gambling, his bust-up with bones, all the rumors, all the incredible triumphs, the, the slapstick defeats, the controversies, and uh, he's, he's one of the most fascinating characters in sports. I mean, he's been in the front race yeah. of golf for 30 years, unparalleled and run, and it, it's all it, in there.
0: It's called Phil, the rip-roaring an unauthorized biography of golf's most colorful superstar by uh, Alan Shipnug. Alan, we got to roll, man. We appreciate the time. Thanks for the insight, all right?
1: Thanks, Alan. All
2: right, you got it.
0: Good all right, I've got some thoughts on that and why it actually is a good thing to happen to the PGA Tour and also something about Jim Harbaugh. That coming up next, Peter Burns, Katie George. This is ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. Little chopper style here on a Friday, uh, how everybody gets their Friday going, right? Peter Burns, Katie George, follow us on Twitter at Peter Burns, ESPN at Katie underscore George 05. Uh, great interview there with Alan Shipnuck just talking about his conversation with Phil Mickelson said, hey, I got a text from Phil. He was not the happiest of campers when the news came out that Phil basically said, listen, I know the Saudis are a bad guy, but I'm willing to work with them. If it means I can change the PGA Tour a little bit, uh, there's been some backlash of those comments uh, and also news that just broke here, Katie George. Uh, Nicole Auerbach of our friend over the Athletic and Ross Dellinger at Sports Illustrated and others have tweeted out that Mark Keenum, who's part of the College Football Management Committee, says that uh, there was a vote on college football playoff expansion back last month. Okay. And uh, now remember it came out today that it's not going to happen. But the vote that they had last month about it was eight to three. Okay. The three conferences <laughs> that voted against expanding the college football playoff?
1: Shall I guess?
0: Go ahead and take a guess. Let's see if you can get it.
1: There were three that voted against it.
0: Eight eight conferences. Man, this is great. Let's do it. The fans love it. The media loves it. The players love it. The coach love it. Television loves it. Let's get it done. Eight of those conferences said, let's do it. Three conferences says, nah, let's hold off on it. Which three do you think they were?
1: I think it would be the three that make up the alliance, the ACC, the Big Ten, and the Pac-12.
0: Ding, 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 ding. The Alliance finally agreeing on something, which is to rob college football fans and really their own conferences of an opportunity of an expanded college football playoff. The ACC, the Big Ten, and the Pac-12. Oddly enough, those are three conferences that have not been involved in every single one of the college football playoff expand or ex- uh, playoffs and could have benefited from an expanded college yes, football playoff. Yes, but uh, of say.
1: those three, and... Mm-hmm. I would say the ACC has been involved in the most, and that is in part, obviously, no, in all part, because of Clemson. That's why the ACC has been part of the CFP in years past since its inauguration in the 2014-15 season. The ACC Commissioner Jim Phillips is the only one that's really gone on record and explained why the ACC was not for expanding right now, being the key portion of that statement it's not that the ACC doesn't believe in expanding down the road, but they feel like there's bigger issues that are impacting the game that they would like to focus on. And I imagine the Big Ten and the Pac-12 agree with that. But Jim Phillips, when he went on the record and said, we're not for expanding right now because we'd rather worry about these other issues, being the transfer portal, NIL, and the NCAA governing structure, he pulled. All the coaches and each program and the presidents and the chancellors of these institutions, he's chatted and actually had meetings with these people that it would impact. And from his work doing so, the ACC coaches and programs don't believe that expanding is in the best interest of college football right now moving forward. Now, it'd be interesting... If Wilson and, and Koff from the Pac-12 had similar conversations and their coaches and their players and their presidents and chancellors aren't on board either, but it- it's unfortunate that those are the three that kept this thing from moving forward. But it's been on record that there are coaches and players in this country that don't believe that expansion is what's best for the college football landscape right now.
0: Uh- But do they believe what's going to change by the time 2026 rolls around? Right. I mean, I I feel like there's still a 95 percent chance of this thing expanding. Yeah, I think it's inevitable. I I
1: think it's inevitable.
0: Okay. And so so the question is, is why are why is it not acceptable now? Right. As opposed to in a couple of years. Right, you realize they're losing. They're going to leave 450 million dollars on the table by not expanding that's, it two years earlier. Even more so, had they all agreed originally, they could have rolled this thing out in 2023.
1: A lot of money being left on the table for players' health, better facility. I mean, yes, it could have been distributed everywhere and been very, very advantageous for all of these conferences. And unfortunately, they've left it on the table for now.
0: We will continue that conversation, 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. You can tweet us at Peter Burns ESPN, at Katie underscore George 05. All right, looking forward to this conversation coming up, talking a little NBA. Also, who's that team to beat in the East? And believe it or not, our next guest almost killed himself yesterday trying to get on radio. We'll explain what happened next, ESPN Radio.